Welcome to Haven, the podcast where we explore the vast landscape of loss. There's no going over or around grief. We're going to take it piece by piece and navigate these tough topics the only way we know how, by going through it. This podcast discusses miscarriage, pregnancy, infant, and child loss. So please listen with care. Silent mystery. I'm Jen Burgard, your host, and following my own personal tragedy founded Haven, Landscape of Loss. We are telling stories of loss and sharing our perspectives about surviving grief. As we record, it is October, which is also Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. One in 160, one in four. Becoming the one in these statistics is never the plan. The idea is to be the 159 or the three in four. You don't need to look far, though, to find the one in these stats. Loss happens all around us, whether we are aware of it or not. What if it was always a part of your story, though? Is generational loss something we should be concerned about? Because our ancestors didn't. We are going to talk about that and more today with Lisa Thornburg. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. So introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and where you're from. Yeah, so my name is Lisa and I moved to North Dakota from South Dakota. And I came from a a good-sized family of four brothers and an angel sister. And I have an angel son, Micah. And T2, we we couldn't quite find a name since we lost him in early pregnancy. A daughter, Reza, who's almost two. And I'm currently 36 weeks pregnant. Oh my goodness. As I live and breathe, what you're, you're glowing, by the way. You're, you're <laughs> looking phenomenal. You're looking healthy. You're looking great. So tell us about, you've got Reza at home and, and you got pregnant with Micah was your first? Yes, he was my first. We got pregnant pretty quick and mm-hmm. no problems everything went well 40 weeks six days went in didn't think I had movement thought maybe that it was just restricted movement from early labor or not early labor but expected yeah, labor yeah and we were going to be induced that Monday and I went in and the doctor said I'm sorry there's no heartbeat and my mind just kind of went into this mode where I thought, this isn't my life. <laughs> this right. is some crazy movie that's really sad. So it didn't sink in right away. And she just said, now you might just be in shock, my doctor. And and because I just I had no reaction. I just kind of like stared at her like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, you know, she left the room so we can make our phone calls and kind of just let it sink in of, you know, what we want to do. Give us our options. And... I kind of thought, do you just have a C-section in these things (laughs) during these times? Like, what what happens? I don't even know. I mean, what are the options? What kind of terrible options do I have here? (laughs) Yeah, I just, I I couldn't figure out how, well, we just had to tell our family. So he would call his and I don't know. I I was surprised at how I reacted because I thought people who lose a baby or a child, like, wouldn't you just think they'd be frantic and crying? And Mm -hmm. I just, I still felt like I had to announce that our baby was coming we're in the hospital and yeah and I I made that phone call to my mom which was the worst phone call I've ever had to make since she had lost my sister at 38 weeks 
So she answered the phone, you know, like, yes, like she was expecting to hear we were in the hospital a little early in labor, had the baby. And yeah, I told her we lost the baby, you know, and, you know, and she was just devastated. I could tell. So we just made the phone calls. I called my sister-in-laws and did some texting to some of my brothers and just letting them know, like, this is what's happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and. And they all rallied together and they all came up to come visit. Since this was pre-COVID, we could have visitors. So sure. it was just very warming that like family could come. And then Jordan called his side of the family and they all could come. Yeah. That were in the state anyway. So yeah, it was just kind of a fuzzy time really where I just went into the bathroom and I just kind of looked in the mirror and had to soak in. And then I then I did cry. <laughs> yeah. Once you finally... But could see, but yeah, yeah. I, but I still like didn't quite believe it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. In denial a little, like, okay, this baby's not born yet. Like maybe machines are wrong. Right. Right. <laughs> they can't be. They can be wrong. Right. That's, so that's what you're thinking. <clears throat> yeah. That, I just, I didn't quite know where to go from there. Yeah. And Other I mean, than, I think about your mom and you say, you know, that was so hard to call her to give her that news, you know, but I'm sure if we asked your mom, she would say, she was devastated for you because she knew, right? She knew what that loss felt like. And now she had to watch her daughter go through that. Right. Yeah. Well, I remember even seeing her answer a phone when my aunt called about her niece Mm -hmm. losing a baby a couple years prior to that to stillbirth also. And so (laughs) it's weird that it's kind of in the family, but I just remember seeing how devastated she was seeing that. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine what she looked like at the other end of the phone, (laughs) you know? Right. I mean, it, Oh, it almost feels generational. I mean, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's that's so hard. That's so hard to have, you know, to mm-hmm. know. Did you feel like, even though you were in shock, right? Did you at all feel like you made a connection with that generational issue? Were you like, oh, it's my turn? Did it right. ever feel like that? Right. Well, and I'm sure my grandma went through this when she had lost, you know, a baby at six months old many years ago. So I'm sure my grandma felt that when my mom told her about losing her daughter. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But so yeah, it's just been strange that, I mean, but I was more like my mom where we couldn't find an answer. There was no placental abruption. Everything was perfect. I was just a little overdue. No cord issue, nothing. Nothing. just so what were your options? So you were given options, I imagine, to go home and process, to yeah, they, stay, or? They did offer that I could go home, but I'm about two hours from the hospital. Oh, so gosh. I yeah. did not want to turn around and think about all of this yeah. and then go into labor two hours away. Right. <laughs> and I said, well, let's just do that agent that gets things going, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 And so you induced? Induced, and I was lucky that... I didn't have to have surgery or anything. Everything just, it took a while because I just wasn't dilated and yeah. very far. And yeah. so he was born at 7.48 p.m., 8 pounds, 7 ounces, 22 inches. Good, oh healthy-sized boy. Yeah. <laughs> Almost 41 weeks. So oh I suppose my he, goodness. he had time to, to grow. <laughs> and you had his name picked out already, didn't you? <clears throat> no, we you did not. Didn't. Okay. I felt it was so hard to pick out a name. For a child, you don't get to until you see address him, every right? day. Yes. Yeah. Or see. Yeah. Yeah. Address or see even after he was born. I was like to the last minute we decided on a name. Yeah. 
I chose his middle name Jordan after his dad because he looked like his dad for sure. And I could tell that in the ultrasound that he was a boy just because he looked oh. like Jordan. Yeah. So the first name we were in between Michael or Micah. So then we could have had a Michael Jordan. <laughs> but uh, we went with Micah just to be a little more unique. I mean, yeah. Both kind of meant that to be like God. You know, I wanted something yeah. special like that, you know, he was just so perfect that mm-hmm. he did not need to be here for some reason, you know. And yeah, so I just, Micah Jordan Thornburg was yeah. his name. <laughs> oh, sweet boy. And so so did you, did your family get to meet him? Did you? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, some of Jordan's family got to meet him as well. Some, you know, had to get going, you know, mm-hmm. before he was born because they, they came while I was laboring and yeah. were just there for me. And that meant everything. I'm just a person that can't sit in silence. Like I had to have someone keeping me busy talking to me. I was texting a friend and she's like, just tell me if I'm, you know, bug- bugging you, it's you know, too much. I'm yeah. like, no, no, I need to like be distracted. <laughs> Good for you to, yeah. to own that <clears throat> and to know you know, what you need and to be able to ask for it. Right. And so just having all the family come up, my family were five hours away and they all came up. Even So it meant a lot that we had all that support. And I just feel so terrible for the COVID moms out there that oh, I know, could, right? even like in New York where they couldn't even have their partner right. there. Right. <laughs> so it just boggles me to not have that support would be just even more heartbreaking. It'd be so, so devastating. Yeah. yeah. You then traveled home, I imagine, after spending time with Micah. And then that, you had to leave. We got to stay a couple couple nights, you yeah. know, snuggling. And thank goodness, another mom d- donated a cuddle cot. Yeah. And so he was able to stay cool. And, you know, we just got to try to memorize everything we could about him before he was taken by the nurses to go have an autopsy, which showed nothing also. Oh my <laughs> and gosh. I just said, I want to know this is my first childhood, right? Is this something that could happen again? Right. You know, so to not have answers was not only hard to like have closure, but just to know what's this mean for future kids. That's terrifying. Cause, so, Cause I mean that feeling, right? You, you yeah. were 40 plus weeks pregnant and Mm-hmm. you did all of it right you did everything and then to make it to the end everything was textbook and healthy I ran the Fargo 10k when I was 26 27 weeks Gosh, pregnant rock star. And, I mean I just <laughs> wanted a healthy pregnancy and yeah. it was healthy and yeah yeah until it wasn't that's oh it's devastating and yeah when you think about you know going through that again right and when you say well future pregnancies I mean no one wants to sign themselves up for that devastation again right Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to do that so so answers would have been so helpful yeah and I had really good nurses too that were very empathetic and had experienced loss themselves and and I think what first really meant the most is like when people wanted to hold him Mm -hmm. you know like I didn't really want to ask anybody if they wanted to hold him yeah I didn't know how people felt about other than I knew my parents would be okay with it. They've been through this. Yeah. My mom was able to take my sister home with her oh um, the day she delivered her. And when people did kind of seem like they wanted to, I felt like, and I know they probably didn't want to ask, <laughs> you right, know, because like, yeah. he's in such a delicate state. And Right. And, you know, it was just all learn as you go. And <laughs> yeah, I, I was just happy. And I feel bad that was that didn't get to, it, it was nothing personal. It was, 
just clearly, I don't know what you feel. You don't know what I feel, <laughs> you know, right. and it, it, this is new, right? This is new territory for all of us. I mean, yeah, and that's tricky, but, but it is, it's, it's heartwarming for, for the mom to say, to see, you know, her family and her friends love on her baby, you know, because that's all they're going to get, right? That's all you're going to get. Well, my doctor was so compassionate too. She, when she came to check on us, she found me laying in with my husband. I crawled in with him on the couch and she was just so happy to see that we were leaning on each other. And yeah. she asked if she could hold him. And I thought, oh gosh, weren't you so busy? Like, <laughs> I just appreciated that she just wanted to hold him like any other delivery she may have made. That's amazing. You know, that medical care is so important, right? And to have, to have good supportive staff around you that get it, you know, and mm-hmm. don't, don't ignore what's right. happening. And, and they lean in, they lean into that room, to your room and to what's happening. And I, I, I'm sure that's not always the case everywhere. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not always the case. You're right. Yeah. I, you know, cause your assumption was, well, you're busy. You've got other things to do. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got other babies and moms to attend to, but she took that time. And she admired him and just held him like he was alive. <laughs> My gosh. In the end, you did, though, try to get pregnant again, right? Right. Well, the day of Micah's funeral, actually, um, I got a phone call from the nurse saying that I had some abnormal labs, and they were concerned that maybe I could have had lupus. And so I'm like, they wanted me to come recheck some labs like today, and I'm like, I'm kind of busy. Right. <laughs> it's not a good day. And it ended up being where I didn't really need an appointment till like January. I scheduled with rheumatology and they rechecked labs and everything looked fine. But there was a few months where I had to wait anyway for just healing a little bit. And they wanted to make sure that I didn't have lupus before getting yeah. pregnant again, you know, because that's a whole different route yeah. of care and expectations that could come up. And so I was just very lucky that I didn't have the complications they thought. It just must have been wonky labs from yeah. pregnancy, sure, sure. <laughs> you know. And so every month went by, I think it was six or seven months, just grueling because I just wanted a baby to hold. You know, yeah. I was I was 30 <laughs> and I'm like, I'm ready to be a mom. I had plenty of nieces and nephews, but I wanted our own kids, you know. And so each month went by. Like I know some women go through years, <laughs> like one month was just grueling. And But finally we bought a house and we were busy and distracted and I felt pregnant the next month after we got moved into our new home so I thought it was just so great you know a new new fresh start somewhere else the appoint, first appointment I had at eight weeks we were in a different building mm. so it was just all fresh start and my doctor talked that way too you know like we're in a whole different space and there's a heartbeat you know miscarriage after detecting a heartbeat, is, it goes way down right? for that chance. Yeah. You know, just trying to reassure me. and mm-hmm. So, of course, I didn't really worry too much at this point. <laughs> and we had been planning a Miles for Micah event to raise money for Star Legacy and your organization mm-hmm. as well. And so the day before we were traveling to South Dakota to do that, I had my 12-week appointment. I was excited to, like, you know, hear the heartbeat again. Yeah. And, you know, kind of announce yeah. in my little speech for that, oh, you know, the, yeah. the hope there is. Yep. Yeah. And then I saw the same look on my doctor's face 
there's no heartbeat, you know? And she hugged us, thank goodness again, before COVID, that, you know, she just hugged and cried with us because she just knew we were ready to be parents and and just to go through another loss. Yeah, again. <laughs> it was hard. I just couldn't believe it. I called my mom and my sister-in-law and just kind of gave them a heads up, <laughs> but I still want to do this event. Yeah. It's been planned and this is what it's about, you know? So I uh, edited my little speech on the way home <laughs> for that part and also said, you know, this is what this event's about. This isn't about pity. This isn't about attention. It's, you know, trying to make other women not feel alone and that they can talk about it if they want to, you know? And so we did the Miles for Mike event and I just felt like a ticking time mom because I had no signs of miscarriage. So just waiting for yeah. it to happen. Oh. And we had just chose to just give it a week or two and yeah. nothing happened. So I had to have the surgery and go through that. And my mom was able to come up. She's just kind of been my oh, <laughs> rock mom, through all of it. She sounds like <laughs> yeah. just a heroine. <laughs> she was. And it just helped me when I'd want to cry about it, you know. And then just. You know, you go through those thoughts of like, why is this happening? Yeah. Like, and you don't know, you, you just feel grateful you can get pregnant <laughs> at that point. But yet you're just at the same time, I want to keep one. <laughs> it's very difficult to not go down that like negative mm -hmm. mindset, right? Right. Clearly you've already experienced the, what did the I do? worst, <laughs> right? And then, and now this, and it's like, wait, 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 what? Yeah. What have I done? Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, we just tried to move past that. We, you know, had the surgery and then she said, you know, you can try and get pregnant sooner than last time since you were closer. Yeah. Or weren't as far as long. Sure. So not as much healing was needed until I got another phone call with results. And they said that they needed, we we declined genetic testing. We know early miscarriage means there's usually something genetically wrong. and. Mm -hmm. But they said they needed to do it because they needed to determine what kind of molar pregnancy I had, whether it was complete or partial, which I didn't know much about mm -hmm. either one. And listeners can Google yeah. that if they want. And yeah. I won't get too descriptive on it. But basically, if it's not, if you don't wait for your HCG numbers to go down, um, it can turn into disease and a rare form of cancer. And and oh my, my levels goodness. just took forever to go down. It would stick at a certain point. And so we were talking to oncology about maybe doing, you know, what they use for cancer treatments to get rid of whatever abnormal cells were left. And sure. I was so grateful that that turned out to go away yeah. eventually. Yeah. It just took Finally a few months. Oh <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Finally dropped. I didn't have to do any cancer medications or anything harsh like that. And and thank goodness for Facebook for different support groups because yeah. there were partial molar groups and I went looking up like seeing what people went through and yeah and it was just nice to have that community to go to and see what people had gone through how long it took them or some people took longer and or they did the cancer drug and and they had babies afterwards and 
So I was just going down a whole nother rabbit hole. Well, and I think that's huge, right? So that what you just said about, you know, and they had, you know, these women had gone through these things, but then were able to have healthy babies, right? right? And that's all you wanted to know, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, is this possible for us? Because it feels... Mm-hmm really daunting i would imagine i mean right so it took like three months because i had to do weekly labs to make sure my levels weren't like escalating real quickly or you know and turning into something and and then on the first month that was cleared i was surprisingly pregnant (laughs) with our now daughter oh my goodness so i just was so thankful that that happened so quick because i went through like that six or seven month period where i couldn't get pregnant for whatever reason and now all of a sudden it was just kind of more of a shock to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I now knew that there is definitely no safe zone. <laughs> Eight That's weeks, true. 12 weeks, 20 weeks, 40, 40 41. <laughs> There's no safe zone. That's no. true. That's true. So how was that pregnancy? Um, it was also pretty uneventful and healthy, but I was always on edge. I bought a Doppler. <laughs> yeah. Actually, no, I rented a Doppler. Um, before COVID, there was this Beats for Bristol that another lost mom told me about and I jumped right on that so that I could hear the heartbeat whenever I wanted. <laughs> and did that give you yes. comfort and yes. reassurance? Being two hours away, I I just had to have that reassurance that at least there's a heartbeat. Right. You know, and it's not crazy abnormal. <laughs> right. Because I'm, I'm sure you could find yourself checking into the clinic or an urgent care so many times, right? Mm-hmm. Especially late as you start to say, well, have I felt that move? Or right. Have I? What should I be expecting here? Because w- what we do know, right, is that babies don't necessarily slow down no. their movement. That's not. So again, not medical advice. It's not what we're here for. But we're just talking about experience. And so many women do say, you know, I was told that slow down is normal, and because they're getting ready to be born. But mm-hmm. you know, that's just get checked get checked, right? And and I guess I used a Doppler as well. I, I bought one on Amazon. I got one for like 40 bucks on Amazon, P.S. Like mm-hmm. you can find those things. And I was a little bit concerned that I would I would get a little obsessive about it, but I didn't. I really only used it when I felt nervous mm-hmm. or I felt I needed to sleep, right? If you if you aren't sleeping because you're nervous, you know, that's right. a, it's a good good way to use it. So you made it through that pregnancy and, and well and COVID had just started. So I'm like, oh of course. That's something new. <laughs> but luckily I never got COVID while I was pregnant with her. I mean, I tried not to be too nervous about it and just, you know, I didn't go out, you know, just like everybody else. Yep. You kind of stayed yep. in for the most part and which is pretty easy when, you know, you're in a small town. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have too many scares, you know. Being two hours away kept me from the ER a couple of times, I think, mm-hmm. that helped to have the Doppler. And I had a blood pressure machine because we did do one virtual visit that they wanted me to have that. And so I would check that if I felt funny too. And mm-hmm. so I just kind of was fine with that. And I just tried to breathe through it. And, you know, the each week that went by, the 20-week scan, you know, everything looking good. I just had to stay optimistic and yeah. think that it's going to be fine. And and it came time for her due date. We decided we do induction at 39 weeks. Mm-hmm. And that all went well. I was lucky again, you know, to just 
I didn't have to have a C-section or anything like that. I, yeah. I, I got the epidurals. They just helped me progress. You know, mm-hmm. I tried to not, but it just helped me, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and she was, when I first heard her cry, oh. I just gave out my own cry, you know, yeah. of just relief. When I saw her, I just said, hi, sweet pea. You know, like, it was just the first thing that I called her. It was just a special moment when they're born and you can hear them crying and they're warm and they snuggle right into you. It was just so real. And my poor family, I, we did not like let them know right away. Like everyone's okay. Baby's born. Like it was probably an hour of just us soaking it in that we should probably tell people that everything's okay. You know? And I had decided on a name and Jordan liked it. And Reza is what came into our world. And so. she was there. Mm-hmm. And and how different, right? Like what, you know, because Micah was your first, right? And then to have this experience and then did that, did it remind you at all about your prior experience where you're like, oh gosh, that is what, I, this is what I missed out on. Mm-hmm. Did you ever have feelings like that? Oh, yeah. I just thought it, it it's an indescribable moment where you're just like, this is what everybody gets to go through that has a healthy baby that's alive, you know, I just um, watching her get weighed, you know, was so different from when Micah was getting weighed. And um, I just couldn't wait to get her back as soon as they were done, you know, doing everything they need to. It was, yeah, probably the best moment of both of our Jordans in my lives, just having her be here. And we didn't know if she was a boy or girl. You know, I had the conflicting feelings like, how would I feel if this is a boy? You know, would I have this odd feeling like he's here or is this, it's another baby. So a part of me was glad, I guess, that it was a girl. Just, I didn't have to think about those thoughts of. Yeah. Those comparison thoughts, right? Comparison thoughts. They're they're complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just an idea there's this feeling sometimes some people have where you lost this baby, right? And then you got pregnant probably much quicker than you would have, right? If that baby would have lived. So is one baby here because the other one is not? Or, you know, it's just so hard, you know, and no one, no parent likes to feel like they made a trade, right? And that's not what we did, right? That's not the the universe works in whatever way it Mm -hmm. works in. And we have certain children at certain times because that's just what happens. Right. But it also is important to remember and realize that, you know, Reza didn't replace Micah. Right. Or T2 as well. Right. Right. Yes. You know, I mean, while... I'm sure, you know, we're grateful. We're so grateful for what we do have, but it doesn't replace them. And so how was the grieving process then for your husband? Was he open? Was he more closed off? I mean, how, how, what did that look like for you two? Yeah, I imagine this is just like anybody else. It's different for each dad. He was such good support. You know, he, he was more worried about me. I think he wanted to see how I was reacting and just kind of followed my lead and obviously he was hurting too and I think with him he went outside with his guitar and he just came up with a song and it's a beautiful song that um 
he sang at the funeral and I spoke a few words at the funeral. It's just like our words, his music, like express, you know, kind wow. of our love for, yeah. for Micah and where I think with my dad, he, he dug my sister's grave and that that was the way he grieved was doing something, you know, we have yeah. our words, we have our actions and my husband was just a huge support throughout the last five, six years, really, of all the grief I've been going through. And yeah. and he just, like I said, he just, he's very selfless and just kind of follows my lead on every feeling I have and makes me feel bad. Like I try to check in on him, but right, yeah, he, he's just so strong and just my rock, really. I, I couldn't ask for anyone more supportive than him. He, his music is healing and he even came up with a song for Reza when she was born and when she'd be, you know, crying at night and he'd say, it's okay, little Ray, little Reza sunshine. Oh. And he would talk about how we've had sorrows in our past that we can't let go, but it's okay, little Ray, <laughs> our little rainbow. <laughs> oh my goodness. the sweetest song. I'm just, my heart is exploding a little bit. Mine would explode every time he'd <laughs> sing it. <laughs> Sometimes I couldn't get through it when I when I sing it to her. Yeah. But he just his music is just healing. And you said that he's strong. And I think I think that's strong is uh such a general term, you know. And like, oh, yes. right. His strength though is not being stone silent and, and not not expressing the emotion that he has, right? His strong mm-hmm. is actually being supportive of you and being strong enough to to let his words out, right? His thoughts out into music, which is amazing. Yeah. So I definitely wanted to share how good of a husband he is. And yeah. just you know, through all the emotions of pregnancy after loss, even and would you say that you were able to keep communication open right, throughout the last yes. several years? You know, yeah, there would be anger, there'd be sadness and he was just always there and open and basically, you know, metaphorically like a toddler punching at, you know, the leg and he just could handle any emotion I was going through, whether it was anger or sadness through all the different types of grief I've been going through the last five, six years. Grief of leaving South Dakota, grief of losing babies, my dad and yeah. just all the things. He's just right there and ready to just hug and hold me if I'm just super upset, just yeah. like a mom does a toddler, <laughs> you know? And I love that, you know, if you're, if you're willing, if you're willing to share, I need this right now, I'm feeling this way and I need this. And his response is okay. You know, mm-hmm. you know, the response isn't, well, why, you know, it's, it's okay. Yeah. I'm here for you. I'm here right. for that. Like keeping that communication open is so important and it can make, you know, the, the process of grief and life after grief, just so much easier and better to know you have someone on your team. Yeah, even if it's hard on them, it's like he, not that he has to put his own feelings aside, but like yeah. he could tell we would just kind of ebb and flow between the two of us. Like yeah. when one is sad, then you help that one. And then, you know, you just help each other out. Right. Cause you're not always, week. yeah, you're not <laughs> yeah. always in the same spot on the same right. day. Right. I think that's right. important to mention because there are some days that I'm having a hard time and then, you know, and, and my husband's fine, you know, or vice versa. Like, I'm just having a tough day. Like, oh, man, I, I'm i not in that mindset right now, but I can. I can I can put myself there and ask you what your needs are right. and, and I can help. So right. I think that communication is so important. Yeah, he's been great with communication and being open. That's amazing. I love that. 
are you going to, as you raise her, will you teach her about Micah and oh, her yeah. brother? She says she has a hard time saying the C's uh-huh. and she calls him Micah, like a T sound. <laughs> Micah. <laughs> it's pretty cute. But we have like a little shadow box of memories of, you know, things that we kept from him. And and we'll say goodnight to big brother Micah and she'll say my Micah. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's really cute. But yeah, my mom always made Jennifer known to me and talked about her and yeah. I'm going to do the same with her because I felt that that was so good for us to know that we had a sister. I had a sister of all the brothers I have. I did have a sister. You had a sister. You know, yeah. I mean, she's not with us and I always wonder what that'd be like. And um, I'm sure she felt, you know, bad not giving me a sister, but I'm like, you did still. You did. I, yeah. she's, she's there. She wasn't growing up with me, but... It was, it's always fun to know that I had a sister. Yeah. Oh. And I can at least imagine what life would have been like with her. And she was only a couple years younger than me. But uh, I I feel like Reza has to know she has a big brother in heaven looking over her. Mm -hmm. And, well, two. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So. Two. And an aunt. Yeah, we were able to find out it was another boy, actually, the the second loss. Yeah, through the genetic testing. Through the testing. Oh, They told me it was a boy and it just. When she, my doctor, again, with her compassion, just, she asked if I want to know the gender. And I said, yeah. And it just felt more real. Like it wasn't just, you know, it's so, you don't ever want to compare loss. Right. It's, yeah. But it's different. But, you know, that she said it's a boy. Mm -hmm. It still felt like a baby to me that she could tell me that. So it was really nice for her to do that too. So it's those little things that you don't realize, the providers might not realize that are, so big <laughs> right yeah but yeah what those little things do and what they mean and mm-hmm. oh my goodness and yeah and for you kind of a unique experience right because you've experienced you know a loss at 40 plus weeks and then a loss at 12 right which mm-hmm. some people deem just a miscarriage right right and there's no point in comparison right it doesn't there's no point in comparing them. They're they're different and they're both very hard, right? And mm-hmm. it, it doesn't do us any good, you know, right. when when we talk about these communities that we're a part of, right? And and you will sometimes see, you know, well, this one's worse or that, you know, my situation's worse. Like it it doesn't matter, right? Right. And right. I'm sure, yeah. You have the moms that come up to you and say, I know mine were only, you know had like two or three before 12 weeks they were only this but you know I feel a kinship with you you know or like like don't compare no that's hard too yeah (laughs) you know and exactly I well when Micah died a kid back home had died around the same time a college age kid okay and his mom had seen me locally back home at a volleyball game and she came up to me she said you know her son was 18 she said, it does not matter what age they are. You know, it's all hard. <laughs> and she, I, it meant a lot that she said that to me because I, I did feel like I was comparing like, oh, how awful. Your 18-year-old died. Right. You've had all these memories. Right. But then on the flip side, and what I've learned through other lost moms, <laughs> you know, through Haven, that I didn't get to make those memories with my, it's just a different grieving. <laughs> it's different. Yeah, it's just different. Yeah. and and. You know, at, no matter what anyone's story is or experience in losing their child, that experience is the worst experience for them, right? And so right. who are we to belittle 
what that was, mm-hmm. right? And right. so, so absolutely giving everybody the grace, right? Mm-hmm. That that what what you've been through matters, no matter what it is, and it's it's important to share about it and and to support other people. Mm-hmm. So, how do you remember Micah today? Do you still do any events? You said you you talk about him with Reza. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would put a few posts out on Facebook here and there yeah. in the beginning, and you know, like he's all I had to talk about. I didn't have other children to talk about, so like that was my way of grieving. And it's nice for people to show support to not think you're just looking for attention. It's just this is my baby. This is yep. you know, like I don't get to do the monthly photo updates with what they're doing and mm-hmm. you know I just sometimes I wrote a lot of notes in my phone and some things I'd share some things I wouldn't and and I've had a lot of moms tell me you know like that they could resonate with that you know or they would encourage me through <laughs> that kind of grieving you know writing yeah posting on media and and just openly talking about him and and in return like so many people that I didn't know who had miscarriages or stillbirths would come forward and they want to talk about their babies too. And I'm just glad that people would be open to talking to me about it, you know, in a private message and, or they would even ask, I have a friend's kid who just lost their, you know, their son or daughter. And what, what did they do? Yeah. <laughs> you know? what, what do they do? Yeah. So I felt like I could be a resource yeah. for a resource. So I would direct them to, your organization and say, send them a healing gift and just tell them that they're out there. They can follow the, well, now these podcasts or mm-hmm. I've had quite a few people reach out saying, I just had a miscarriage and like, they don't know where they're going with that conversation. You know, if we didn't talk much before, but they just knew that they could talk to me. And yeah. I just felt so good that they had that safe space that they held and could just explain their experience and feel heard without being super public about it if they didn't want to. Right. Right. I just always love having Start Legacy or Haven to say, follow them on Facebook or Instagram. And they've always got stuff that they're posting. Yeah. That's amazing. And you are, you're a resource, right? You are, because of your experience and your willingness to help others and to talk to others, you are a resource. And I know that Micah is so proud of you. <laughs> so proud. I mean, absolutely, right? We are doing just such amazing things and and looking forward to another healthy little one soon. Yeah, so we do hope so. And there's always always the fear <laughs> towards the end, especially. Yeah. I mean, we do plan to induce a little earlier too. And I had COVID the end of my second trimester and you know, I was a little nervous after that, you know, if I had movement slow down or I felt in my head it had slowed down. So doctors are so good about, you know, listening. And I wanted a non-stress test just to check things out. Yes. And everything yes. was just fine and healthy. And it was just a good relief. And, and now I'm back to yeah. a more comfortable position now. But yeah, but you can yeah. advocate for yourself, right? right? You have to. You have to. You don't know what you're feeling or right what you're doing um a non-stress test is super easy to request Mm -hmm. and your provider will more than likely be very happy to provide that for you so i would absolutely put that out there i did the same in my following pregnancy and very much recommend it it's very simple and can be really calming 
right? And get you through another couple days, which is so important. Yes. Yeah. What advice would you have for other parents then as a resource? I mean, well, I found a lot of healing through writing. I didn't do blogs or anything like that. You know, I did it on the social media or my friend thought of the idea. She was going through a tough time with like trying to have a third child and it had been many years and just her own mom thoughts. And she found a journal and she said, we should write back and forth. And we not only did I journal on my own, but I would journal back and forth and we would just kind of validate what we were feeling and what we we're going through. And it was, it was very healing. And for the last couple of years, it just kind of bounced it back and forth and whether we mailed it or hand delivered. And I feel like there's a letter out there somewhere for me too, from my dad. <laughs> my mom said that he had written a letter after we lost our second child and he never gave it to me, but I'm hoping it's out there somewhere. Yeah. He actually passed away a year ago and I never asked him about it. You know, maybe it wasn't ready and he didn't want to send it, but right. I'm hoping there's some words out there from him somewhere. too. Absolutely. Um, That's amazing. That's like a like a journaling pen pal, you know, even that's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Just words and reading and listening to podcasts. They're all just such healing things. And that's why I love this podcast. There are good resources out there, right? I mean, I think that's the thing to know too, is it, it's a lot different, you know, when your mom lost your sister, right? Mm -hmm. That was a different time. And now Thankfully, you know, social media brings so much awareness for for all social media's faults, right? It does bring out awareness and connects people who otherwise wouldn't be connected. And so having those groups out there, having the ability to share your thoughts and feelings about Micah and what you're going through, and then for people to find you, you know, and and connect with you, I mean, that's a gift. And it's, you know, I'm thankful for social media for that. But but more so for for the resources that are out there today, like the books that are modern and contemporary that say it's okay, you know, that that you're feeling this way, and it's okay if this takes time, you know, uh, so much so much better than the the it, it'll be fine. Time heals all. You'll be fine. You'll get through this. You know, not not what I'm looking for, right. <laughs> you know, and uh, when you're going through the worst, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's grief is grief is tough and. Mm-hmm. And I just want all the moms out there grieving to know, or in dads, mm-hmm. friends, family, whatever, whoever's grieving, whatever, you know, you just have to find your own way to grieve and you can't compare how someone else is expressing it or not expressing it. You know, I just want women to not feel ashamed that they're going through this or that there's something wrong with them. And it's there's something wrong with them for not posting on social media. There's something wrong with them for posting on social right. media. You know, like I, I had a mom come up to me and say, I could never post the stuff you put on Facebook, but I, I love seeing it. And yeah, I'm like, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have, <laughs> you don't have, to. have to. Yeah. To, to make your son feel special or to make him proud, just loving him or her. And, you know, you just, it can be as simple as just acknowledging their birthday with a little private cupcake and, it's looked different each year for us, for Micah. For his first birthday, we did the miles for Micah. The next year, it looked different where we couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And and so on and so on. It's just different every year. Some years, we weren't around to go visit his spot, yeah. you know, in the hill. And and we just try to, like, acknowledge it every year. 
It's not always something big. Right. It doesn't have to be. No. Whatever feels right for you is is the right mm-hmm. thing, you know, and, and it, that can be different day to right. day, year over year. You know, it can always be different. So, and yeah, grief, grief is yours, right? It's mm-hmm. yours. You lose so much that the way that you grieve and the way that you honor your child is yours. And you can hold that, hold that to your heart and, and don't let, don't let anything tell you that you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So, well, thank you so much, Lisa. This was such, such a great conversation. I am just amazed by your strength and what you're doing and how you love your kids, all of them. And I'm just, I love your story. So thank you so much for sharing it with us. Well, thank you for having me. It's, it is an honor to be on here, to be able to talk about your children. That's what we're here for. Share those kids out loud, right? Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Haven's Landscape of Loss. If you found it helpful to hear this story and are going through a loss journey of your own or supporting someone else who is, consider subscribing on wherever you're listening to this podcast. If you found this episode helpful and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with loved ones, post about it on social media, and leave a five-star rating wherever you're listening. Finally, to learn more and get even more resources about the lost journey or to send a healing gift, please visit havenmidwest.org. And while you're there, consider donating. This podcast is made possible by our partners at Tellwell, listeners like you, and folks willing to share their stories so we can all heal together. You are-